Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. The weekend is here. Well, almost. Match day three of the Premier League season kicks off tomorrow, with the league now in its 30th year, and you can hear the thoughts of two former Premier League players about some of the more intriguing fixtures across the weekend, and of course their favourite moments from three decades of Premier League history on The Dugout, our Saturday show featuring ex-pros. So hit subscribe and keep an ear out for that one. On today's Football Social Daily, however, we will be homing in on Manchester United's move for Casemiro. The Real Madrid midfielder is on his way to Old Trafford for 50 million quid. Is that a case of overpaying for someone past their prime or the necessary surgery required to drag United out of a deep, deep hole? If 50 million can get you a Casemiro, then of course 45 million can get you a Morgan Gibbs White. Sounds a bit weird, that, doesn't it? But that's what Nottingham Forest could end up paying Wolves for their 16th summer signing, a player they've wanted since day one of the window. And ahead of the weekend's action, we'll be tackling the questions you've sent in to us, including whether there are any free transfers knocking about that could make a real difference in the Premier League. This is Football Social Daily, your seven-day-a-week Premier League podcast. My name's Niall, and with me today we've got Manchester United fan Joel Tudor. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, guys. And we've also got Newcastle United fan Marley Anderson. How's it going, Marley? Very good, very good. Trying to find out my uh, my transfer value if Morgan Gibbs White is worth forty five million. So stay tuned to find out. Um, fifty p and a Mars bar. I'd pay for you. I think <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Greg sausage roll. I think that's what I'd pay for Marley. Um, no, he's talking. Let's talk about the. Biggest news when it comes to transfers of the last 24 hours, and it comes from Manchester United. What a surprise. It feels like we haven't stopped talking about them ever since that 4-0 loss to Brentford last week. So much has happened, including rumours of a potential takeover of the club, which you can hear about with Kieran Maguire from The Price of Football, discussing with Jim about any potential Manchester United takeover from Sir Jim Ratcliffe. You can find that on Football Social Daily Shots, which is our short extra time, you could say, podcast. You can find it on this feed if you just scroll back in the timeline, or you can just search for FSD Shots wherever it is you get your podcasts. Jim, in conversation with Kieran Maguire about a potential Manchester United takeover, But we're going to be talking about a potential Manchester United incoming when it comes to transfers because Casemiro, the Real Madrid midfielder, is on his way to the northwest of England. It will cost Manchester United 50 million quid for the 30-year-old. What do you think in this one, Joel? Because Casemiro is someone who undoubtedly has quality. We've seen it in the past. He's played so many games for Real Madrid. He consistently ranks as one of the best midfielders in La Liga. Is he past his prime, though, at 30 years of age? Or do you think he can still offer something to Manchester United? Well, with this one, it's just come totally left field, complete rogue wave. I just don't really get how it's come to Casemiro from actually chasing Rabio. Like, did the board actually think Rabio was more of a better choice than Casemiro? I'm, I'm still... I, I think that's probably the case, to be honest, and they've panicked, but... I think right Casemiro's now, mum's less of a handful, Joel. That's <laughs> yeah, that's prob- probably the case, to be <laughs> fair. Uh, but I think um, after Murta's trip to Turin, I bet he could just cut away to get back out after the meeting with her. I'd love to have been a fly in the wall. But I think with this one, he is undoubtedly still a world-class defensive midfielder. That's the bottom line of it. I think everyone's looking at his age with that 
FIFA career mode eye of, oh, when he hits 30, he's finished. Is ridiculous when you hit thirty, especially as a defensive midfielder. It's probably it's probably one of the best ages to get a defensive midfielder because they seem to be a. It's a position which doesn't need as much mileage on the pitch as say like a winger or a striker. Because I mean, if you look at Busquets for example, he just gets better and better typically, and he's about what thirty six, thirty seven now. Do you know what? Um, I'm not sure Busquets is even that old. You know, Joel. He's just been around for so long. Um, I'm sure, he's got to be approaching thirty five now at least. I but maybe, um, yeah. but yeah, I think w- with Casemiro, I've, the issue I have with Madrid letting players go, especially when they come to United, is just that Madrid never usually let go of players when they, or they never willingly let go of players if there's a reason for actually letting them go. And I'm not saying you know he's finished or anything because if any if anyone watched him last season, well, the reason is from the reports, Joel, the fee of fifty million quid and the length of the contract that Manchester United are willing to offer him and the wages. And effectively, the reports are saying that Real Madrid will not stand in Casemiro's way. So that says to me that if Manchester United are going to sort of buy out the last year or so remaining on Casemiro's contract and give him a bumper deal with the potential of an option which is what all of the reports are saying and he'll make he'll be made one of Manchester United's highest earners as well with the deal um and Real Madrid allegedly not going to get in the way of that they obviously feel that the player isn't worth the 50 million that Manchester United are going to pay well it's I guess it's smart for Madrid because the players that they brought in place for preparation for when he does actually completely collapse, like Shuameni and Camavinga, and mm. they also have Valverde. Well, that's next why he's not getting in the Real Madrid team, is because Shuameni's yeah. and coming. I, and I think Casemiro has acknowledged that and thought, well, I've still got a number of top top years in my legs. Why should I watch Shuameni just take my place that has been mine for the last six years? Um, the issue I have with it is that he's clearly coming for money, which. I mean, I wouldn't even go to United for the sporting projects right now. Like that, that's the, let alone Casemiro, who just won four Champions Leagues at Real Madrid. But I mean, I would um, argue beggars can't be choosers. You're bottom of the Premier League. You've not won a game. The project is looking very, very difficult at this point in time for Eric Ten Hag. So, I mean, he's not exactly going to come to win titles with Manchester United because that is not very likely at this point in time. Yeah, but it's it's not exactly a beggar. I mean, because I would I don't think many could many teams in the United's position could still get Casemiro, who is still one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. Um, he's probably our best defensive midfielder since Carrick, and that was nine years ago. So I think it just shows the level of issues we've had actually getting someone of his caliber. The only I think the best thing about it is just that it breaks up the McTominay and Fred partnership, which is was going to be the death of our season yet again um, and I think one of the best parts about it is that Casemiro plays frequent, frequently with Fred in the Brazilian national team as a double pivot and they work so well together where Fred actually is a little bit more advanced forward on that left side and Casemiro just sits and it actually works like a metronome for Brazil and it's really effective. So hopefully that can translate into United's midfield because having McTominay and Fred in a in a team that wants to go for things is never going to happen. When you look at every other rival's midfields, you, you, the best teams are built on top, top midfields. And he does add to that, but I think there's just a lot of pressure around it because, like you've mentioned, he is getting a massive pay rise. And at 30 years old, that's the only place I would say it is a massive risk because there's talk of him 
having a similar salary, a similar around salary to David De Gea, which is one of the high, well, he is the highest earner of the club at the moment. So it kind of has to work because if it doesn't, United are going to be stuck with him for four years and no club is going to take on that salary. So it is a case of it's, it's go, it's progression or bust with this one and I'm pretty sure it will go well because he is a top top defensive midfielder but it's just the way in which United have got to him from Rabiot and Arnautovic penny pinching about two weeks ago is ridiculously mad it's just the circus and I don't even know who to expect next any nobody is ruled out next but it's it's a good sign and I don't think anyone can deny that because it's it's a massive, massive upgrade on anything we've got at the moment. Statistically, Casemiro and the aforementioned Sergio Busquets are the two best defensive midfield players in La Liga and consistently have been over the last few seasons. And Busquets actually, we were talking about it a second ago, just turned 34 this summer. Uh, Casemiro is 30 and as Joel says... You know, these defensive midfield players tend to play on a little bit longer, don't they, Marley? We've seen that with Fernandinho at Man City, for example. But is he better than what Manchester United have? Is that an obvious statement to make? As Joel's already picked up on the current midfield, which is comprised of Scott McTominay and Fred. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think with, you know, it, it's obvious that he's going to get into the team and, and everything like that and, and improve them. And I think there's a lot of... Um, talk about Man United and a lot of panicking at the minute and rightly so about the long-term sort of strategy of the club and where they're going and, and who they're scouting and who they're buying and, and what have you. But I think you can only, you can't serve the long-term, you, sorry, you can't solve the long-term problems quickly, but you can solve the short-term problems quickly. And I think Casemiro would, would solve a very big, very... Uh, worrying short-term problem, which is Man United's holding midfield area. Like he is still, despite being thirty, if if you say like, you know, uh, he's got two years left in him. Like in two years' time, it's it's these two years or next two years that need, you know, huge improvement. So can he come in and help that? Like in my opinion, yeah, of course he can. Um, even though his legs might go when he's thirty-three, he's not thirty-three now. That's still three years away. And in that three years, you've got to put the be- the rest of the pieces in place to get Man United back to be being where they want to be. Um, so Casemiro at thirty, you know, he's got experience which you know you you couldn't you couldn't buy elsewhere. I don't think you know you he's won four Champions Leagues, countless titles. He's been he's played in the biggest games around the world. He might be a World Cup winner in in uh, Qatar in in December. Um, so I think he solves a lot of problems, really. Um, you can't really solve anything more than the short term. You know, you've got two weeks left of the window. You need players in certain positions in Man United are about to go and buy one. So I think it's good business. I mean, Fred cost 50 million quid, Marley. So we're talking about someone who costs a similar fee. And although Fred was much younger when he joined Manchester United, you'd argue that even though they both play in the Brazil midfield, like Joel says when you look at what 50 million got you even four or five years ago compared to what it gets you now, it's probably less. But actually with people saying that it's a bit of desperation from Manchester United, 50 million for a 30 year old who Real Madrid are happy to let go. Is it just nature of the situation that Manchester United are in that that is 
a fee that they'll have to pay and maybe it's not actually as bad of a fee as as people are making out because if he is the difference to Manchester United's midfield then it's a price worth paying don't you think yeah definitely I think the only other time you're going to get Casemiro is if he runs down his contract um, and then you you end up battling with you know loads of other teams to get him on a free and you know PSG will probably flutter their eyelashes and say well we'll have him for free um, and he'll probably end up there or or Juventus or someone like that you know there'll be more competition and I think the the situation at Man United is is a little bit desperate but like I said before I, I think he fixes the problems that they've got um so far or, or he goes at least some way to to fixing them anyway like if you look at how he plays for Brazil with Fred you know he, he makes you know often people watch Brazil and say Fred looks like a different player so I don't know whether he that is specifically down to Casemiro or whether it's the pressure of not being you know, um, over-pressurised by a, by a fan base and, and he can play for his country rather than, you know, uh, a club's fan base that's pretty much made their mind up on him anyway. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. So Casemiro might be the key to unlock Fred, but then there's another argument of, do you need another £50 million player to unlock a previous £50 million player? Who you've been we're waiting back on for. this thing of trying to unlock midfielders. We tried yeah. to unlock Pogba for the last six years. Yeah. Now we've got to try and unlock Fred. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I don't know whether anybody's ever asked for an unlocked Fred, but you know, we maybe we're about to find out. We'll we'll see what happens. But I still think I think it's a good signing. So take him down the phone shop, get the SIM card changed. They can unlock anything <laughs> down there. They know what they're doing. Um, does this mean? this deal for Casemiro, Joel, that Manchester United are now resigned to the fact the De Jong deal is dead. Is it the death knell for this mythical Frankie De Jong to Old Trafford transfer? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think this is just a consequence of United facing the reality that it's not happening because I think there was reports saying that back in July, Ten Hag was willing to wait until, you know, the last depth to see if he could actually join. And we are at the last depth. Like the, There couldn't be more last depth if he tried um, the transfer window. And now they're starting to spend a big amount on a midfielder, which clearly means that the money that was kind of set aside for that deal has shifted. And they're starting to reprioritise where they want to go to. And it's just completely baffling to me how... A massive billion pound football club can wait and not set deadlines when you've got a manager who needs to build a team. He's got a broken squad from last season, just lost two of two out of two in the first two games of the season. You can't be waiting until the last 10 days for one player and all your budget is allocated or pre-allocated to someone who is in the most complex situation with Barcelona. I don't even know what's going to happen with that. They're even threatening with lawyers and all these kind of different stipulations with this contract. It's just madness. I think if United heard that, they should have just said, okay, you know what? We've got to rebuild our squad and we're not waiting out for you now. We need to just move on and just be secure in who you want to, who you want to choose. So I think that's basically just been... Um, a ricochet of that not happening I think it's also a ricochet of Rabio not happening to be honest because I think if we would have got him I don't think Casemiro would have actually joined anyway because we wouldn't have gone for him um, so thanks to Veronique um, Rabio's mum because we actually just got a world class defensive midfielder rather than someone who we would have had to play next to to actually bring him out so I think it's it's probably worked out in the end and I think everyone will be in agreement that 
Casemiro maybe a month ago, I don't think anyone would have even thought of him because he seems like one of those players at a club where they're just untouchable. You know, in the same sense that no one would go and touch for Kevin De Bruyne or no one would go for, I don't know, Luka Modric. Just for the fact that... It it kind of reminds me of when Real Madrid sold Ozil to Arsenal, which was a bit of a shock for everyone because he was kind of their chief creator, I suppose you could say, in the... the creative midfield position or the attacking midfield position and so even Ronaldo I think at the time was pretty shocked that they sold Mesut Ozil to to Arsenal but um, I think that with the Liverpool game on Monday Manchester United are hopeful that this deal is done by then whether he's able to play in that game I'm not so sure because I think the deadline is either tomorrow lunchtime I think or tomorrow night um, I'm guessing the visa will take a long time now after all these different rules have come into place but I think, um, but let's not kid ourselves. He's he's not gonna me. He's not gonna make Manchester United win the next five games in a row, is he? I mean, he, he there's still plenty of work that needs to be done on that team. Yeah, don't get me wrong. This isn't me saying oh, I'm happy with this transfer. I'm actually pretty placid with it because there's so much more that needs to be done alongside him. It's ridiculous. Like we still need more reinforcements um, on the wings or even a forward because I don't know if Ronaldo is going to go or stay. Still need probably a right back. So there's still maybe even another, I would take another midfielder as well. I still don't think Casemiro is enough. Um, so it's a start, but United are going to be in desperate times and they're going to be overspending in the next 10 days because clubs know that A, United need players and B, there's not enough time to replace them. So they want a premium for them and it's United's fault that they've left it this late. So it's going to be a messy 10 days. So brace yourselves because it's going to be Manchester United for the next 10 days. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll keep you up to date with all of the latest transfer news, whether that's Manchester United or otherwise, on this podcast, Football Social Daily. And we've got some more for you coming up next. And surprise, surprise, it revolves around Nottingham Forest, who have signed their 16th player of the summer. We'll talk about it after this. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social. If you hit subscribe, that way you will not miss an episode again. This is the only show that keeps you up to date every single day of the season with the latest top flight news and opinion. And also every afternoon during the week, we have a small bite-sized podcast for you to get your ears around. It's called Football Social Daily Shots, where we wrap up all of the things from the day's Premier League news that you might just have missed. But we're not going to miss this one because an eye-watering fee has been agreed between Nottingham Forest and Wolverhampton Wanderers for the transfer of Morgan Gibbs-White. I say eye-watering in the sense that no one really saw this value. 25 million base fee Forest have agreed with Wolves for Gibbs-White with a potential 17 million in add-ons. I've seen some reports suggest it could be as much as 45 million pounds with everything factored in. So with that in mind, I guess Wolves have had a, a good day at the office in the transfer market, Marley. What do you think on this one? Mate, I, this is mental. Honestly, there's I can't even I can't get over this this fee. I think, you know, it's it could go up to forty five million and it's not quite there at the minute, but for what does forty five million, what does that buy you now? Like this guy has been 
on the fringes of Wolves for a few years. You know, obviously very talented, lots of potential, potential, but he's been he was loaned out to Sheffield United last season, and then you know he scored eleven goals in the Championship, and then he's come back. He's had you know he's probably going to play a bit part role in, in Wolves this season. He'll be in the team, you know, probably half the time I would say in the starting lineup, and then you know they've. They must, their jaws must have hit the floor when they uh, when they were trying to sign Matthias Nunes from Sporting and then Nottingham Forest are offering forty million for for Morgan Gibbs White because this is it's a staggering fee for someone who's done very very little in the Premier League. He scored one Premier League goal. He's uh, I think he's made forty eight appearances over the last three or four years. Um, eleven goals in the Championship in a team which got to the playoffs and then he actually. Ironically enough, missed the penalty against uh, Nottingham Forest in the semi-final to get them to uh, to get Sheffield United to the playoff final in place of Sheffield United in place of Nottingham Forest, which is a nice little twist of fate. But it's just it's a staggering amount of fate. Like imagine forty-five million is you know it's less like five million less than Casemiro. It's more than players. Like it's the same fee as Gabriel Jesus going to Arsenal. It's six million less than Erling Haaland going to Man City. You know, it's similar fee to Calvin Phillips in England International going to Man City. You know, more than Bruno Gomares, more than more than Joe Linton. Um, there's there's load. It's just so mental that this English tax has got to this point where you pay. So a club is paying that much. For a guy who's done nothing in the Premier League, it's. I'm not saying he's he's, he's terrible. He's a decent player, but he, he's 20 million maximum. Totally unproven. He's unproven in the Premier League, isn't he? Like you say, he was on loan at Sheffield United last season, and let's not um, go in too hard on Nottingham Forest because it is uh, either a 25 to 35 million pound base fee, which some might say is expensive as it is. It's not actually 45 million yet. I mean, there's a significant amount of add-ons up to 20 million quid, I think is what some reports are saying. I guess one of those add-ons will be if you stay up in the Premier League, Nottingham Forest, you owe Wolverhampton Wanderers a bit more cash. Yeah, it will be. Um, it'll, you're probably talking best part of 10 million if, if that happens, I would say. But that, this is the gamble Forest are making. They're, they're signing a hell, lot of, hell of a lot of players. Um, I don't know where they're getting the money from, if I'm honest. Um, you know, it's one for maybe a bit more, bit of research in the future. I don't really know where their FFP sort of like needle falls in line type of thing. Um, but you know, I'm I'm all for for clubs taking chances. I'm just, I just it just jars with me when they're just literally paying whatever whatever they can come up with. Um, for players like Gibbs White, Lingard, you spent fifteen million on about four or five different random players who've got no experience, and I just don't, I don't really like what they're doing. To be honest, I don't think it's going to work. Um, it's making me hope it doesn't work, but that's them. That's that's all for them. I don't. I know you've got to take risks, but sixteen players is is a bit mad. What's happened to the valuation of players this window, Joel? I mean, Marley's lit, reeled off a list of players that are around a similar fee for the for the possible total of, of £45 million that Nottingham Forest could end up paying Wolves for Morgan Gibbs-White. Some of the names on that list, you know, it's only a, a little bit less than what City paid for Erling Haaland. It's the same as what Arsenal paid for 
Gabriel Jesus and there's been a, a strange sort of circus around the transfer fees for the last few years. I wouldn't just say it was exclusive to this window. Some might say it's a product of the pandemic and and there are other reasons and possibilities for why fees are getting to the stage that they are. And we often say on the podcast that 40 million is the 20 million or 15 million of 10 years ago. It's just the way it's gone with the revenues in the Premier League increasing year on year on year. But it still seems odd to think of a a deal of this price, don't you think? I mean, even when you look at uh, Gordon from Everton and Chelsea bidding 45 million for him after just one season scoring four goals. I mean, uh, Kukurea has been brilliant as well, but 60 million for Mark Kukurea. That's, I mean, that's, that can't be right, surely. I just feel like right now in football, there's just such... I, I, I feel like with clubs, they're just becoming so lazy when it comes to scouting that they would rather just buy finished products or buy players who are just in the kind of public eye in front of them. Whereas they could save so much money if they did what the likes of Brighton do, which is heavily invest in something which gives them a massive competitive advantage. Whereas when you look at, I know Nottingham Forest, they've had to make this amount of transfers because they've lost a ridiculous amount of players. But as Marley said, for a guy who's only proven himself in the championship, and I don't want to say it's 45 million, uh, 42 million, because I'm sure that a number of those add-ons are going to be pretty unachievable, but I'm sure a lot of them will be, which will probably take it well over like 35 million. And it's just, it is quite baffling. And it just shows the fact that clubs are willing to take a punt when it comes to promising players who are English and it's not even just the fact that it's the last two years when it's come to this English premium. It's happened all the way back to maybe if you look at Andy Carroll, for example, he was one of the best examples of someone who was nowhere near that price. And yet it started sending off a domino effect of how much English players should go for. It goes even further back than that. When you look at Rio Ferdinand and Wayne Rooney and goes even further back, you can keep going further and further back. It's always been a case in this country that English players are just seen as this commodity that has to be paid more than anyone else in the world and it's it's crazy because usually it doesn't really work out that well when you look at for example Kukurea last year you know Getafe had a I think it was a 16 million release clause for him and every single club in the world didn't even want to touch it apart from Brighton on deadline day and if everyone had the the right scouting network and would have seen, you know what, you don't even need a scouting network. You just need to have a pair of eyes. Getafe are in the first division of the Spanish league. It's not hard to see. And even when you watched him against, for example, Barcelona, where those games are free, like very popular to air, you can see who the standout players are very quickly. I'm just, I'm confused at why clubs are just uh, walking blindly into these transfer windows and just seemingly using money up like it's free cash, monopoly cash that they're happy to burn. So I think it just shows there's just way too much money in football at the moment, more than these owners know what to do with. And it's um it'll be I'm just very interested to see how these Nottingham Forest team come around because it's it's hard enough betting in four or five transfers, but like a whole team building that morale and letting each other know how each other plays and finding the best team. It's going to be so difficult, that for Steve Cooper. But, you know, I will reserve my judgment because he's only 22 and clearly they've seen something that's promising. But on face value, 
it's absolutely madness to pay that amount. I think what we should say, and it's something we do say a lot, that players are worth what the clubs who are selling them think that they're worth. So well, that's a market, isn't it? Of course, that's how market. That's how a market works. That's how trading works. It's how business works. So you know, we can sit here and fume on the podcast that Morgan Gibbs White's costing forty-five million, Chelsea paying sixty million for Mark Kukurea, but it's like you say, Joel. There's a market for it. If there is a buyer and that is what you can sell it for, then you have to kind of tip your hat to the selling club. Tip your hat to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Tip your hat to Brighton. Especially someone like Brighton, who will go and find a replacement for Mark Kukurea, who will go and find a replacement for Basuma. Exactly. Well, they, that's what they do. That's what good businesses do. That's what good football clubs do. And, um, and you know, maybe, maybe we need to stop worrying too much about transfer fees because it's not going to change. It just is not going to change. Um is there an argument, Marley, for a shorter transfer window? Because if I'm exhausted, mate. I'm absolutely exhausted. We're 19 days into the window. And obviously, we do this podcast every day, keeping track of as many transfers as we possibly can. There's been so many rumours. Chelsea have been linked with half of European football. Manchester United have been linked with probably close to 100 players this window, plus all the other bits and pieces. We've still got until the 1st of September for the window to wind to a close. That is absolutely an eternity in football in terms. We've seen so much activity in the last two or three days of a window, let alone in, you know, in, in the space of sort of 11, 12 days. So is there an argument for a shorter transfer window? Do you think, just to play devil's advocate here, the transfer window should close before the season starts? Um, I I quite like it overlapping. I I know it has its downfalls, but I like the chaos. <laughs> I like teams panicking and spending like weird money on weird players. Like Man, Man United would never be going for Casemiro had the season start uh, had the window stopped before the season started. Do you know what I mean? Because everyone was like, "Yeah, we beat Crystal Palace in Australia. We hammered Liverpool four nil. Um, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna have this great new dawn." And then you know Brentford come along and and tear them to pieces, but. I like the the reactionary stuff of it, you know. Um, you, you, I think you can learn a lot about your squad in the first couple of days, even if it's just the odd result going against you. You think, oh well, we could do with another like left back or another option coming off the bench with the five subs. We need another winger, for example. You know, it's um, I quite like it, but it it does drag on a bit. I mean, the the rumours and stuff are, are never ending, especially with certain clubs, but. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of used to it now. So if you took it away, I'd be a bit like, ah, oh, we've just got to talk about, you know, the last week's football, right? Like for for the rest of the week. But you know, with with how it is, it's like, you know, uh, how many more random players are uh, Nottingham Forest going to sign before the before the window slams shut? They'll probably still go for another three or four before the window closes. And Man United have still got work to do, and they can still do it. So I like it. If you both remember, about three years ago, they trialled it for one summer, and I think they shut it on August the 9th, but then they quickly changed it back because they realised that Italy, France and Spain, they were still operating on the September the 1st basis, which (laughs) meant that they were still cherry-picking every other (laughs) Premier League players, so it it, it just didn't work out for them. So they've tried it, but I think... It just works to have every single league seamlessly working. It would need to be a UEFA... Um, like a household rule yeah what's the word yeah. it would need to be sanctioned by UEFA for the transfer window in Europe to close on a certain 
um, day. The Premier League tried it, and as you say, no one came with them. But anyway, um, the latest from Nottingham Forest is they've added signing number 16, Morgan Gibbs-White from Wolves. What do you think? Do you think there should be a shorter window? Let us know. You can find us on Twitter at FSDpod. You can also get us on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And that is also the place to send us your questions, because once a week we do AQA, which stands for Any Questions Answered, and we'll do that next here on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Time to answer your questions that you've sent into us via social media. You can get us on our new Twitter page at FSD Pod. That's the place to fire your questions. You can also send us an Instagram DM and find us on Facebook too. Just search for Sport Social and you will find us on those respective platforms. Right, time for any question answered. And the first one comes via Instagram. It's Paul who sent this one in. Thanks for your question, Paul. He says, are there any decent free transfers floating around that could do a job for a Premier League team? Who would you give a chance to and at which club? I'll come to you first, Joel. I'll be honest, I've not really kept tabs on who is still available (laughs) as a free transfer. Have you got any ideas of who might make a difference in the Premier League that's available for free? Well, as of right now, I know one of them has just been linked with Everton and that's Adnan Yanezai. (laughs) He's been out of contract for like, I think, two or three months now after Real Sociedad let him go um, from his contract. He's still only 28 and he's still in the Belgian side as well, which is quite strange. Um, But that would be such a Frank Lampard signing that trying to reignite yet another career and then a guarantee he'll end up leaving on a one-year spell uh, in next summer. But I think one, one which sticks out for me is Andrea Bellotti and I think he's a player who... At United, I would actually take a punt on just as someone who can come off the bench because even though you know he's not really been sought after at the moment, it looks like he's probably going to go to Roma. But he scored over 150 goals in his career, which is very, very good for someone who's 28. And I'm surprised that no club has taken a gamble on him and just thought, let's try him out because he is such a clinical goal scorer. And his record at Torino has been pretty insane over the last five to six years so I think Yanazai as a little throwback run it back kind of player to see if he can run those wheels back to the Moyes era um, but Balotti I think is the more smarter one and then you got Edison Cavani as well who's still running around without a club I wonder how old Adnan Yanazai is now he's got to be close to 30 is he Something 27 now okay so Maybe not as old as I was making out there. Um, what about you, Marley? Obviously, the big free transfer this summer was Christian Eriksen, who ended up at Manchester United. Aside from that, there was no one else that really sprung to mind immediately. Do you have anyone in your thoughts that could potentially turn up in the Premier League? Well, I think Schuller and Miobi's legs have gone these days. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just looking at a, a list on, on Transfer Market who, who's still out there and there's, I've seen Diego Costa. Yeah, Diego Costa. Just yeah, bring on the carnage. Get him back at Chelsea. Um, he'll have a fight with Tuchel within about two weeks. Um, now there's, I mean, Florian Grilich is someone who's had quite a bit of uh, links to to random clubs. I don't think he'll end up in the Premier League, but um, he's a defensive midfielder who's who's sort of attracted a bit of bit of attention. Like I think he's about six foot three. He's huge, um, and he's decent range of passing, sort of an all rounder. 
uh, type of player, but it, it's it's who wants him. Like Balotti's the the standout one for me. I put it on our Twitter feed the other week of of why aren't Man United going for him? Like he's a striker. He scored loads of goals. You know, even if he does want to stay in Italy and go to Roma, you know, Tammy Abraham's at Roma and he's smashing it. And so is Zaniolo. Um, they've just signed uh, a couple of other players as well. You know, Dybala's there. Um, there's plenty of, of talent in front of him, whereas if Bellotti turned up at Man United, he's the only centre-forward, really, that they've got if Ronaldo leaves. So he's going to get plenty of games. He knows where the goal is. You know, it just makes sense. But, you know, Florian Grilich, defensive midfielder. You know, Man United are in the market for defensive midfielders to the point where they're going to spend £50 million on Casemiro. What about a free agent? What about... A guy who you can pay, okay, like you might have to pay him a, a big sort of signing on fee, but it's going to be less than fifty million quid, isn't it? So there's 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 him, um, and then looking looking around, I think there's there's not that much. I think Willian's Willian's still free and meant to be going to Fulham, which is an absolutely bizarre move, considering he's been at um, he's been at Arsenal and mutually contracted um, mutually terminated his contract. Then he went to Corinthians and mutually terminated his contract. If that doesn't scream, I'm training with a fag in my mouth and, you know, I'm just not bothered <laughs> about football anymore. If that doesn't scream that, then I don't know what does because why would you bring him back to the Premier League? You've you've seen literally less than a year ago that he's, he's he can't impact the Premier League for a, for a relatively good side in Arsenal. So, you know, if you send him to the bottom of the league with Fulham, it's just, it's just bizarre. It's a strange move, but people get... Attracted by the fact that he he was once brilliant, so he could be he could unlock it again. But I don't see it. So I think uh, any moves now are, are gonna centre around players that got clubs. Yeah, a few other names floating around: Matej Vidra, who was last at Burnley; Fabian Delph, of course, played for Manchester City. Some other names as well: Loris Karius, the former Liverpool goalkeeper; Jose Izquierdo, who was at Brighton; Hatem Benafa is available, Marley. 35 years old now. <laughs> Again, is he? Again. Hell. I'd have him back. Honestly, I'd have him back in a heartbeat just just for his... He'd fall out with everyone, to just be fair. Just for the nostalgia he, value. He always does. Yeah, I'd bring him back. I'd I'd bring Kabai back. Go and get Papi Sisa in Denver, but, uh, Denver Bar as well and run it back. Bring it on. Denver Bar's knee was once described as a ticking time bomb, so maybe the time has eventually come for it to explode if he did turn back up. It would be up. funny if... Tony Pulis, Jesus, never seen such a bitter man. Oh, well, he filled his medical, so his knee's going to explode. And then I think he's got something like 60-odd Premier League goals and we're still waiting, Tony. So, you know, crack on. Okay, well, those are the thoughts of the lads on potential free chances available. Thanks for your question, Paul. This one comes on Twitter from Carrie. She says, is there a genuine chance that Manchester United could end up in the bottom three and be relegated? come the end of the season. Well, it's not looking good so far. United have lost their first two games to Brighton and then 4-0 to Brentford last week and they've got Liverpool on Monday night. So it is certainly looking difficult for Manchester United at this point in time, but surely they've got too much to be relegated, Joel. Might be meeting you at... um... Down in Pompey next season, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> could, could be a nice little matchup there. Um, no, it's it's very fantasy. I think that that could happen. I think when you look at the last big team where it nearly happened, Chelsea, when they were what fifteenth, sixteenth under Mourinho when he left, 
it never is the case. Obviously, if it ever got down to United coming anywhere close to, for example, the the bottom three, I think Ten Hag would obviously be first to go. They try and get a new manager bouncing, but these net honestly these next few days in the transfer window, I think it does really dictate how the next season's going to go in terms of position because right now I think let's say we didn't get Casemiro and we ended up just getting for example Rabio. I think a bottom half of the table finish would actually be pretty likely judging on what we've seen so far um, but are you going down that was the question come on we're going down with a billion <laughs> in the bank guys let's go <laughs> honestly <laughs> a billion in dividends going yeah, out div- more like. yeah. if honestly I would say this now though I would take us going down Let's say the Glazers said for sure we're not for sale. If we went down and this sold up, I would actually take it. That's how much I would enjoy just getting them out and starting a refresh. Well, I remember last season when Everton were hovering around the relegation zone and so many times we said Everton in the championship. Just can't think of it. Manchester United in the championship. I imagine. Would be it would be, it would be carnage, wouldn't ridiculous. it? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the TV broadcast rights for the championship would be oh, it would just go up tenfold beyond belief. Um, whether that might be a good thing for the football league, who knows? I'm not wishing Manchester United to get relegated. By the way, far from it. But thanks for your question, Carrie, on Twitter. And this final one comes from Yusuf, who I think asks a really interesting question. And they say. With Messi and Ronaldo coming to the end of their careers, who is next in line to take on the mantle of world's best player? And do you think that there is more chance of that being a Premier League player than in any other division? Really good question from Yusuf. What do you think, Marley? Because he's right, isn't he? Cristiano Ronaldo, 38. Messi in his mid-30s as well. Not quite as effective at PSG as he was at Barcelona. Maybe the era of those two dominating the football landscape in terms of being the best individual in the game is starting to come to an end. So so what do you make of that question? It's a good one. Um, I think you look if you look at these sort of next generation players, you look, you're probably looking straight towards Mbappe and, and Haaland, but... The one thing Haaland has on his side, which he will for the foreseeable future, is uh, he plays in the Premier League, which is much more competitive and at a higher level than than France. Um, with Mbappe, you know, he's, he's only so much sort of clout you can get for hammering six past Nantes in the uh, in Ligue 1 on a Sunday night. It's not it's not as prestigious. Um, so I think with I think Haaland's the standout player. Um, if I'm honest, I think the AG, the AG is and the team he plays for is is conducive to us going. Look, he's clearly the best player in the world. You know, he's going to probably score countless goals for Man City. Um, and there's every chance they could win Champions Leagues, and, and they'll probably win the league this year. They'll probably win it next year. They might win it the the year after. You know, it's it's pretty much a, a monopoly. Uh, the Premier League become in at the minute, um, which is fair play to Man City because they've, they've done it brilliantly. Um, so if they win the Champions League as well, and Haaland scores big goals at big times, I think he would be the the obvious one you'd look at. What about you, Joel? Is it still Messi and Ronaldo? Or I mean, to be fair, can we all agree that those two are not the best players in the world uh, at this point in time? It probably is someone else. Um, that's not to disrespect their achievements because they will both be considered the two greatest players ever, I think, particularly in this modern era of football. But with Yusuf's question, 
is the next best player on the planet going to be a Premier League player or will it be someone like Kylian Mbappe or will Neymar rise up and kind of take on that top spot which he's kind of been the third best in the world for ages hasn't he behind uh, Messi and Ronaldo what do you think? I think Vinicius is going to be one who's going to rise way quicker than everyone expects obviously he's already on a massive rise at the moment after winning the Champions League with Madrid I just think Mbappe's dampened his overall image so much by staying in the French League um, just because no one really takes massive account to it Whereas when you look at La Liga, which is one of the biggest leagues in the world, the only way Mbappe gets his name on the on the headlights is basically if he shows attitude in the French league or if he even wins the Champions League with them. Um, apart from that, whenever you look at every other talent, Haaland's on the front pages of every single you know news outlet around Europe when it comes to City because he's on the big stage. So I think he automatically has the upper hand, but I definitely think Vinicius, judging from the way he's going, if he can add more goals, especially in the Champions League, to his game, then I think he could be the one. But I think when it comes to you know the best player, it definitely comes down to your personality and how much you want to be that. And I think right now the, the, the two clear front runners are Haaland and Mbappe, just because they seem more like men and mature players at such a young age whereas I think Vinicius still needs to he's still I think he's still going to get there but he, he is looking ridiculous at the moment nice one great question Yusuf and that draws to a close another episode of Football Social Daily we will be back tomorrow morning with the dugout where I'll be joined by former Southampton defender Francis Benali and ex Nottingham Forest Leicester and Hull City striker Matty Fryer they're going to go through some of their favourite memories of 30 years of Premier League history as well as looking ahead to some of the games this weekend including Spurs against Wolves and there's a couple of others as well like Newcastle versus Manchester City that will be worth keeping an eye on Fergal will be back on Sunday to look back across all of those fixtures and then we'll be back again on Monday with a preview for that big Premier League fixture on Monday night, Manchester United versus Liverpool. But that is it from myself, Joel and Marley for another week of Football Social Daily. Hit subscribe and you won't miss tomorrow's show. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.